As we begin Advent season, let's give consideration to the amazing blessings that God has poured out on His people. In difficult times, like the difficulties we have faced as a nation here this year, even worldwide, it is good to remind ourselves that we do not need to be fearful of our circumstances. We do not need to be fearful because we belong to God. And God has bestowed His great love upon every believer. But you know, God didn't just bestow His love on every believer. He bestowed His love on every person who lives. Because He gave His best that we could have life eternal. He has made it possible for every human being to have an opportunity to know Him. Because of this, we can find peace, rest, comfort, and hope in Jesus Christ. The very definition of Advent is the arrival of a notable person. The arrival of a notable person. The arrival of Jesus Christ our Lord certainly is as notable as you get. There is no one who is greater than Jesus Christ. And Advent this season reminds us that He arrived on this earth to provide salvation for a lost and dying world. So today, as we begin Advent, we're going to focus on the hope given to mankind by God. Hope in anyone or anything else is fleeting and it doesn't last. Our hope for a better future, our hope for lasting peace, our hope for salvation, it will not be lasting without God. It cannot be lasting without Jesus Christ. You cannot know and experience everlasting hope until you know God and know Him on a personal level. It is when you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ that you begin to understand the power of eternal hope in Jesus, eternal hope in Him. To begin today, we're going to take a look at the life of Joseph and how God worked in his life. And the life of Joseph really begins in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37 goes all the way through chapter 50 of Genesis. And certainly we cannot read from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50 for the time that we have left here today. So we're not even going to try that. But I am going to share the, how God delivered Joseph. And the, the deliverance that Joseph brought to the world was a physical deliverance. It was for a time, but even this deliverance happened because of the hand of God in Joseph's life. Every storm that Joseph faced was diminished because of the hand of God intervening on his behalf at just the right time to fill the purpose of God. So let us take a moment and turn our attention to Genesis chapter 41. And today we're going to focus on the broad strokes 
of Joseph's life. We certainly can't get into the details of his life, so we're going to focus on the broad strokes of his life today. But I encourage you to take some time this week and read from Genesis 37 to the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 50. It'll probably take a half hour, 45 minutes if you sit down and read it, to read about the life of Joseph and how God worked in Joseph's life and accomplished his purpose at the right time, every time, to accomplish his will and purpose and mission in Joseph's life. It is because of the hand of God that Joseph had hope. It is because of the hand of God that he had strength. It is because of the hand of God that he was delivered. And it is because of the hand of God that he had the hope of a better day. So let us begin in chapter 41 of Genesis, beginning in verse 17. We're going to read through verse 40. 17 to verse 40. The Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all of the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered, and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows came that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. And God will do it. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain for under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for the food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man in whom has the Spirit of God? 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my place, and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I'm going to back all the way up to Genesis chapter 37 now, because we kind of got a picture of where God has taken Joseph. But Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers about this dream. And his brothers did not like the dream, what he, they were, he was sharing to them about the dream, and why didn't they like it? Because Joseph was placing himself above them, that he was going to be ruler over them. And they didn't like it because they were the older brothers and it didn't make sense to them. And even though his father told him to be quiet about it and to not uh, uh, be uh, bringing attention to this, his father never forgot it. His father considered it. And we know that Joseph went to see his brothers. His brothers were out in the field taking care of the animals. And he went out to see them. And that they tried to kill him. They threw him into a pit. And they talked about killing him. But then they saw some people coming towards them, which were the Ishmaelites. And they said, well, why don't we just sell him into slavery instead? And so that's what happened. They, got, they sold him into slavery. And Joseph was taken into Egypt. And then the brothers went back and told their dad that he was killed. So what they had certainly intended evil on their brother. They wanted their brother done away with. They didn't like what their brother was saying. They didn't want to be any part of what their brother was saying at all. They, they despised him. And I often think when I'm looking at that scripture verse, when I'm reading through the scriptures and I come upon this time where, where Joseph is taken into captivity, what was on his mind? What was he thinking? Was he, he's like, wow, I'm being betrayed by my brothers. What did I ever do to them? I love my brothers. I love my family. What, why are they doing this to me? Why do they want to see harm come to me? And I could even see him lifting up his heart to God. Well, God, why are you letting this happen? What is going on that you're allowing this to happen in my life? After all, God, you promised me that I was going to be ruler. You promised me that I was going to be the one who would rule over my brothers. How come I'm taken into captivity? I don't understand this. And then I was thinking last night, you know what? Jesus, in John 16.33, said this. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And I, and I wonder... If God spoke to Joseph during that time and said, Joseph, you're in a time of trouble in your life, but don't worry about it. Do not worry about it, because I have overcome the world. I have a plan. Just trust me, depend on me, continue down the journey that you're heading, because I have a plan for you. Brothers and sisters, we must remember that Jesus has always existed he has existed before the foundations of the world. He told the, the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. So I can't help but to think Jesus was with Joseph during this journey. And he was one who was bringing Joseph comfort during this journey. 
And I wonder if God comforted Joseph with these words, that trouble will find you in this world, but remember, I have overcome the world. Anyone who has read the account of Joseph's life knows that he experienced more than his share of trouble, but he never turned his back on God, did he? Never once did Joseph turn his back on God. He never lost hope. He never lost his confidence in God and always remained faithful to God and God alone. He kept his hope in God. In God. And then, you know, Joseph went into Egypt and then the Ishmaelites turn around and they sell Joseph to the Potiphar. And we know that Joseph prospered in the Potiphar's household, didn't he? He was in charge of everything that goes in, on in the Potiphar's house. He took care of all the affairs. Potiphar trusted him. And Joseph remained faithful to God, didn't he? But the Potiphar's wife wanted something, didn't she? She wanted Joseph. She wanted Joseph in a physical way. And Joseph could have thought to himself about himself and only himself and said, you know what, I can serve my own desires here. I can have the Potiphar's wife fulfill my desires and everything will be okay. But that's not what Joseph did, is it? Joseph remained faithful to God. And because he remained faithful to God, the Potiphar's wife did not like that. So she went and told a lie about Joseph and got Joseph thrown into prison, didn't she? Because she lied. But Joseph remained faithful to God. Though it cost him, he kept his eyes on the Lord. He remained faithful to God. His hope remained in the work of God and on the work of God. Do you think that Joseph remembered his dream from Genesis chapter 37 that he would one day be ruler? Do you think at any point during this trials that he's experiencing in his life that he did not consider? God said, I'm going to be ruler one day. I don't understand how or when, but I trust God. My hope lies in Him. I'm going to keep my faith in Him and keep moving forward regardless of the storms I'm facing in my life. Do you think his hope remained in God because of what God showed him in that dream? But even when Joseph was thrown in prison, the warden didn't pay any attention to anything that was under Joseph's care, did he? Because he trusted Joseph. He trusted that Joseph was going to take care of the affairs of the prison and do the things that were expected of him. He had favor in the warden's eyes. And I find it interesting that Joseph had a dream. And not only that, the cupbearer that was thrown in prison and, um, and the, uh, the, my mind's drawing a blank now, on, the, on the, the baker, he had a dream also. And Joseph interpreted a dream that neither one of them could interpret. And I thought, the baker and the cupbearer both had dreams that needed to be interpreted. 
and only one person had the interpretation to their dreams. One of them was going to die in three days, and one of them was going to be restored in three days. I found that very interesting because God used the cupbearer to draw the Pharaoh's attention to Joseph, who was in prison, to a man the Pharaoh has never met. I see the hand of God at work in this whole puzzle. The hand of God at work in the life of Joseph, accomplishing his will and purpose along the way, preparing Joseph for what is yet to come. So the Pharaoh ended up having this dream, and we just read about the dream just a few minutes ago in chapter 41 of Genesis. We all just now read through it, and Joseph interpreted that dream. But the only way Joseph could interpret that dream is because the cupbearer remembered Joseph. Why did the cupbearer remember Joseph? Because Joseph remained faithful to God in doing the work of God. Joseph remained faithful, and even though he didn't see any benefit to himself telling him what that prayer or what that dream was about, he told the cupbearer what that dream was about. The cupbearer remembered when he heard the Pharaoh discussing his dream, and so he told him about Joseph, and Pharaoh had Joseph called to him. And so Joseph answered the dream of the Pharaoh, didn't he? He told the Pharaoh that the seven fat cows are are telling you about seven years of good harvest. The seven ugly cows are showing you of seven years of famine that will follow. And then he continued to tell him, you need to put somebody in charge to be able to take care of these affairs so when that seven years of famine comes... You'll be ready for it, Pharaoh. The dream that Joseph had in Genesis chapter 37, how many years pass between then and this point? We're not told, but regardless, it came to pass. Joseph remained faithful to God, and now Joseph is number two in charge of the whole of Egypt. And everything that happens is under his charge. God remained faithful to Joseph. And Joseph continued to always have his hope in God. And again, Joseph never used his influence, nor did he ever take advantage of his position while he was in prison. And he didn't take advantage of his position while he was in charge of the land that Pharaoh put him in charge of. Joseph knew, as it says in Psalm 23, verse 2, he knew that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Joseph may have pondered these very verses while he was in prison, or while he was, uh, when he was taken captive, he may have pondered these same verses, that the Lord leads me beside the still waters. So Joseph interpreted and demonstrated God's power in his life, how God was working in and through him. No one else could answer, the, interpret 
the prayer, or not the prayer, but the dream of Pharaoh. Nobody else could except Joseph. So he was put in charge. So this dream, while he was living with his father and his brothers, has been fulfilled. And Joseph delivers the world during famine. But I was thinking about this also. Joseph was really one who could be looked at as a deliverer during that time, couldn't he? Because he was able to provide a need for the whole world during this time of famine. There was no place else they could go to receive food for themselves and for their families. They had to go to Joseph. He almost could have been looked at as a savior to their physical bodies, couldn't he? That's the kind of authority that Joseph had. But you see, we have one who's greater than Joseph. And he doesn't just care about our physical body. He doesn't just care what happens to us on a physical level. He cares about what happens to our soul. He cares about what's going to happen to our eternity. We have someone who cares for us so much that he gave his son for us. And that is Jesus Christ. And just as Joseph had his hope and rested in God, and he knew that what his brothers did to him, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So brothers and sisters, we can look at this year and everything that we've been through. God has a plan. He has a plan. He knows where he's taking us. We need to find our hope in him. We're not going to find our hope in a politician. We're not going to find our hope in a human being on this earth right now. We find our hope in Jesus Christ. We find our hope in Him and Him alone. Why do we want to have hope in someone who can destroy the body, yet can't destroy the soul? We want to have our eyes on the one who can destroy the body and the soul. And that would be God. God has a plan for us. He allows us to have difficulties for a reason. Do you think that any time during Joseph's life, as he was going through these experiences, that he understood why he was experiencing what he was experiencing at the time that he was experiencing them? His difficulty led to a great victory, didn't it? Brothers and sisters, our difficulty in life is leading to a great victory. And our victory is found in Jesus Christ. And just as Joseph was obedient to God, we must be obedient to God in our most difficult times. We have to understand that the times of difficulty are the times that God is refining us. We are in His refining fire. He is shaping us and molding us into His likeness. And because of his faithfulness, many survived. Many lived because he was faithful to God during those many years that he was going through, the trials that he was going through. This year certainly has been a time of political battles, and these battles were fought more viciously than I've ever seen in my lifetime 
and people are placing their hopes for a better day on a president, an elected official, someone who is just as fallible as you and I. Our politicians do not have the answers. They cannot fix America. The fate of this country, this state, this city is not going to be fixed by a person. It only can be fixed by God. We have to have our trust in God and turn our hearts over to Him and trust Him and depend on Him. And as we do that, we're going to reach out to the communities. And as the communities hear this, they're going to come back to God. God is the one who changes nations. And we are also living in the midst of a pandemic and many are looking to the scientists to save us. They are looking to the medical profession to deliver us. Many are afraid to leave their houses. Many are afraid to live for fear that they will be exposed. I can tell you this, there is one who can overcome this pandemic. There is one who can bring a solution to the removal of the virus that so many fear, and that is God. God is the one in control. He is the one who can bring relief. You see, it is God we need to turn to, not a scientist, God. We need to turn our hearts to Him and Him alone. He's the one with the answers. It is in Him that we need to turn to find peace. It is in Him that we live and move and have our being. It is in Him alone. Separate from God, we will fall. Separate from God, we cannot overcome. John 3.21 says this, But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what God has done, or what has been done, has been done through God. We don't need to fear the future. We do not need to fear a virus that can take our physical life. We should fear the one who could take our soul. It is Him we should bow to. It is Him we should go to when we are in trouble. It is Him who can heal our land. It is Him who can bring America back into unity. It is only Him that can bring America back into unity. It is God and God alone who can restore this great nation. All we need to do is acknowledge that it is because of God that this nation ever had any greatness at all. It is because of His work. Matthew 6.33 tells us, Matthew 6.33 tells us, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So this Advent season, we should remember that we have hope, an eternal hope, because Jesus came to the earth, born fully human, yet remaining fully God. See, Joseph saved many people's physical lives because he was faithful to God. But Jesus came to save the souls of men, to set us free from a sin debt that we are not capable of paying. He came to this world to bring mankind hope. He wants us to have hope. He wants us to see our hope rests in Him. We have hope 
of an eternal glory with God. He was born in a town called Bethlehem, a baby child who will deliver the world from their sins. The glorious hope promised to Israel is here. The glorious hope that was promised to Israel is here now, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth to die, to lay down his life, to pay a debt that we were meant to pay. See, if Jesus didn't come, we die an eternal death, separated from God for all eternity. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, laid his life down willingly as a sacrifice that cleanses our sins. His blood had to be spilled so we could have eternal life. Messiah gives his life freely to offer eternal peace and hope to all who believe. Do you believe? Will you believe? Will you trust in God? Turn your heart over to Him. Trust Him that He will change you and mold you into His likeness. If you do this, you can have eternal life and have eternal hope in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you again today. We thank you, Lord, that you have came to this earth, born a baby, and that you lived the perfect life in this world, Lord, without sin. That you taught us while you were here. You equipped us while you were here, Lord. And Father, that you went to the cross and were nailed to the cross willingly that we might have life eternal. You gave up your spirit that we could have life. And then three days later, you rose from the dead, conquering death. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. And Father, we ask that you continue to work through us, that you continue to shape our lives, that you would continue to equip us, Lord. And Father, that we would continue to keep our eyes on you and trust that you are our hope, even in the dark days of our life, Lord. And we ask all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.